0: Hi everyone, welcome to Free Devs and the Maybe podcast. This is our fifth in the series, a podcast that is aimed at absolute beginners or just general enthusiasts. Um, If you haven't listened to us before, I fully recommend checking out our first four podcasts We'll give you some intro into PHP and some other basic things. But today we are going to be discussing text editors, source editors and IDEs. So... uh, but before we uh, kick off into that, uh, I'm joined as normal by my three exceptionally gifted web developers, Ed Mann, Lewis Keynes, and Fraser Harp, all professional web developers by day and by night. Um, so, I'll... And very, very cool dudes as well. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: you were going to say something else. I know. We all
0: but, um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Evening oh. all. Yeah, evening. Um,
3: How is
2: everyone? I'm very well. Yourself? Oh, uh, not
1: too bad loving the uh loving the rain with a continual 48 Thanks. hour rain. They just love end. winter.
3: Winter is the best time of the year. Yeah. It's it's dark when you go to work. Get get to work. Dark when you get out of work. Yeah. No <laughs> <laughs> so following that. Yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. <laughs> listen,
1: yeah, listen, 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 uh, listen to our exciting fifth episode and talk about weather. Yeah.
0: Well. <laughs> so uh how's everyone's week been? Let's start off for you uh Ed man, how's your week uh, been? Very good, thank you, sir. Yeah. Um I was able to um do a couple of blog
3: posts this week, uh along the top of the freelance stuff I'm doing, which is quite cool. Yeah. Um was able to do a bit on Scala 4 comprehensions and reverse Polish notation, which is fun. Um sorry, say so, that again. Yeah, reverse Polish notation. Right. It's quite cool. It's like a way it's instead of using like math, you know, two plus three, instead you represent it two, three and then plus. And it works better in me. again. Probably not, Ed, but anyway, it's fun. It's on my it's wow. blog, so on my site at eggman And yeah, that was quite fun. What led um, you to do that? That's uh, that's because so the way it's easier for the computer to calculate it to work okay. out because okay. they can do it in a stack form. Right, use a stack to do it. But yeah, um, I also did a blog post on simple functions because when I was re- rebuilding the three dev site with using Markdown and stuff, I found I came across like the idea of just using these simple functions. Very, very, you know, new idea just to use simple functions. PHP never just does that. But, yeah, um, you these simple functions like a cache function, uh, a, what was it, a, a, I think it was, yes, yeah, so you had a cache function. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. But, yeah, so you had these different functions that you could use. And you could build a lot of different things just using these minimal set of functions without any, you know, object oriented or any of that funky stuff. So that was quite cool.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Sounds good. How about you, uh, Fraser? Human Um, Not a huge amount, well, well quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've got a couple
2: of a couple of freelance projects I managed to to get out the door, which had been kind of they, they were ninety nine percent completed, but it was a lot of back and forth with for the clients, so they've finally gone. So it's nice to to have those off my chest, and invoices have gone out. So yeah, sitting back and waiting for the the payments coming. Give yeah, my
0: money, yeah. exactly.
2: Just before Christmas, a, a job until it's kind of like yeah, we're yeah. not going to sit for about three months in the standard form of <laughs> web <worked> development. <them. laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, in the office, it's been been fairly standard. I've just been working on the same project that I have been for well, pretty much the last four months. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing huge new to report there. It's kind of winding down for Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then had a bit of a bit of a result of the weekend. Got to shake the hand of Chris Hadfield in uh, in London. Went to to the book signing for his new book. And wow. uh, yeah, kind of yeah, got to shake the man's hand. It was it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah? Did you talk too much, or was it just a handshake, or...?
2: Not really, like, I kind of went in with intentions of, of, like, having a bit of a conversation, but kind of, like, stood there and was like, Oh, yeah, book! <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, yeah, kind of shook his hand and, and stood there while he wrote in it, and then he, I think he said something like, uh, Oh, I hope you get something useful out of the book. And I was like,
3: Thanks when you <laughs> a lot, really appreciate it!
2: And then walked off, and...
0: Oh, uh, the nice. Of the and the, uh, the freelance sites, are they biggies or standard yeah. stuff? Yeah, one of them was uh, it was
2: basically a CMS build, but I, I built it on the the SilverStripe MVC framework. Um, it's uh, a framework that I, I, I it was basically my first MVC uh, framework that I ever got my hands dirty with. I, I went to New Zealand um, about two years ago now, and uh, I got myself a job working for a web development firm down in Queenstown, and they were they were working exclusively in, in SilverStripe. So that was my first ever foray into into MVC and, and, and frameworks and what have you. Um, and yeah, I, I just really like the framework, and so I, I decided to, to build this project on on uh, SilverStripe, um, just because it comes with a very nice, simple CMS in there. Um, yeah, so that's gone out. And then the second project was actually for the same client. For some reason, they had a separate um, a separate store from their main website. So they wanted to keep the existing store, which was a, a Candy Press ASP shopping cart system. Yeah. Um, Pretty horrible, but it was integrating with their existing or, or their their in-store databases. So basically, they just wanted that to look the same as as the new the new site that we were building for them. So I had to skin that one up, and so that that was a lot quicker. But um, it was it was kind of a bit of a pain having to set up a local dev environment on a on a Windows box and,
0: and what have you. But it's yeah, all out of door now and uh, good times. Nice one, well, man. Two years ago though, that that has flown by, man. That's incredible. no, it really has, yeah. Because I, I I got back in the country
2: on the 6th of December last year um, so yeah, yeah just I read really got back
0: yeah because I was pretty much brought in to take over the work that you were doing when you left that's, to yeah all wow. that horrible stuff that I'd been there uh, I'd been yeah.
2: <laughs> got dumped on your lap yeah
0: <laughs> nothing but quality code that's what Absolutely. I
2: remember oh something else as well we've got you know the, the DMU client yeah they're coming in for meetings tomorrow um, because they want some more dev done on that site. And, and for, for the people listening, this, this MU project, I don't want to go into too much detail about who they are or, or yeah. what it is. It's, it's nothing kind of top secret, but obviously the project's not live, so I don't want to, don't yeah. want to talk about it too much. But this is a project that uh, that Michael was working on while I was away in New Zealand. Um, and then I came back into the company where, where I previously worked with Michael and um, and uh, yeah, shortly after I got back, he, he was offered another position, so so moved elsewhere. So this is a project that I took over, um, and a couple of the guys that, that run the project are fairly fairly scary guys. Let's <laughs> yeah. hope they're, they're
0: not listening to this podcast. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: well, touch wood I've still not met them yet. But from from what you were telling me, you saying it's like bullet wounds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh,
2: dear.
0: That might be edit worthy that bit. <laughs> um. How about you, Lee? How's your week been?
1: Um, my yeah, my week's not been too bad actually. Um, it's been certainly been a bit busier than the last few. Um, I just literally this evening finished um, a little freelancing that came up yesterday. So had a quick turnaround of a little website for a um, for a swimming school in Lewis. Oh, nice!
0: Um,
1: for a, for a friend of mine's wife. So I just finished that. Um, I've been I've been doing a lot of work on my framework, which we have discussed in like the first couple of weeks, I think. Um, that's but that's been brilliant actually. That's 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 growing growing and growing and growing. Um I've got like a thirty five point bullet list of things I wanna do and build and fix and and sort out and stuff like that. So um in the quiet times of work I'm certainly never bored. Although um I have got a site coming up which I believe I'm starting tomorrow for quite a big um electrical company. So
2: Okay.
1: Um yeah, the first part of my new year is looking quite busy. But um the majority it's...
2: of sorry so, or is it uh, within within your company? the electrical one?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's for the co- that's for my company. Um, right. My boss has been um, been to and fro for the last co- last couple of weeks in business meetings and stuff, yeah. um, putting the whole strategy for it together. So the designs are all are all pretty much there. So it's pretty much good to go. I believe I'm starting that one tomorrow. So uh, what's, the,
3: what's the build-in? What framework are you using, or are you using a framework at all? Um,
1: I, I haven't decided yet. It depends depends what's required, really. Laravel um,
0: four point one. Yeah, who it, says it, that? What? Symphony. It Sim- will yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, although Yii is very good, other frameworks are available. Um,
2: that's a very, very <laughs> diplomatic
1: It's not not my one of choice. Um, MP, yeah,
2: MP
1: material. Yeah, it probably will be Laravel four. I'm I'm trying to um, to not use CodeIgniter anymore as much as possible. Certainly, uh, certainly not until someone kind of takes it over and it looks like it has a future. So um, it may well be Laravel four if if it's required. I don't know what the sort of the size of what I need to build is yet. So. Once I've done, once I've once I've got that information, I'll be able to make a decision. But so, um, yeah, but the other the other sort of big part of my week, I've been um, doing a lot of research for um, for one of our future podcasts because uh, we had a bit of a discussion the other day, didn't we, about um, sort of topics and who's going to lead what over the next few shows. So um, mine's going to be built. the HTML and CSS. So I've been researching that and I've learned quite a lot of cool stuff. Looking forward to it. Really looking forward to that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it. It's, uh, there's so much stuff in there which. Uh, you know, you'd probably never use it if you didn't need to, but you know, it could save you a lot of time and a lot, of, a lot of very uh, sort of general tools that you know make make stuff a hell of a lot simpler.
3: Well, you were sending me some stuff over Skype and the, like little demos and stuff, and I was just shocked. Yeah, the amount of HTML what HTML five can do it is quite crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a discussion for when the show comes around itself. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah, uh, my my biggest thing with that is um, obviously what you know is it is it always a good idea to use something that's not fully browser supported um and a lot of the html5 stuff you know does does degrade quite nicely now so it's not such an issue but um you yeah, i kind of i kind of like to stick to the stuff that's going to work in the majority of places but i don't know i mean that, i mean that's a whole discussion in itself isn't it
0: sure yeah one thing i was going to say lou and i don't know if i'm allowed to publicize this yet or or not because last time i knew like you were still putting your site together and then i saw your tweet today on something you put on your site and i had a quick look and You've had oh, like yeah.
1: 50. What's your site, I know? No, no, this, this isn't an actual, this isn't my actual site. This is um, I basically every pretty much every single day since I started working as a developer, I, any time I come across any kind of snippet or code that I found useful, I just store it somewhere. Right. And um, for a long time, it was just literally I'd set up a folder in my email address, in my email account. Um, but I thought if I could put it online, that might be useful and make it public. There might be... Might be bits and bobs in there that someone might find useful. I um, thought it was really useful,
0: mate. I was amazed, like, how much stuff was on there, it was really handy actually. There's all,
1: yeah, there's, there's all sorts of topics in there, and you know, I still stick stuff on there most days. I, you know, I put one on there today. I'm trying to tweet them all now as well.
0: That would be awesome actually if you did tweet them because I found that really useful today as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so perhaps we it, can put that site in the show notes. Is that all definitely, right? Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, it's yeah,
1: Get it's, it's lose snippets lews. <laughs> Don't know how to spell my name, see so L E W S S N I P P E T S dot co dot UK Lose Snippets. Um and then yeah, it's basically it's my sort of collection of snippets snippets since I started doing the job. Do you guys do that? Do you keep you know, kind of store things? that you've picked up and stuff
3: i try to now um, more so than i did i always lose that that's why i've got my blog more recent, more often now because i do always lose it and i'm always like i did i remember i did something like that and i'm trying to look back at it and i never can find it so it is a useful yeah. thing to have it was also it
1: was also my first sort of um mess around with laravel 4 as well so um i i appreciate the
3: design is pretty shocking i'm not a designer i think the design looks fine man yeah. It's, yeah, very, it's, it's very nice and simple. Yeah, well, that's what you want. I mean, you just want to get the content in something like that, don't you? You don't. I mean, look at Stack Overflow. Yeah. You know, it's a very clean, simple design, and that's what you want. You just want. You're there for a reason. You're not there to say, oh, this looks pretty.
0: Look
2: at Stack Overflow now, and it looks horrible. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, Stack Overflow's just put a black bar at the top, and it looks. Has it really?
0: Like,
2: oh, yeah. I didn't see that. It's only tiny, but. <laughs> do you guys find you have that discussion with people a lot, particularly
1: with like freelance stuff that you. You, you just automatically say, oh, I'm not a designer, please don't kind of... Well, you do. have to, because yeah. they
3: assume it's well, they, they a hot parcel. Well,
1: they think that's yeah. all
3: that you do because you, you make websites. You well, every time you ask them... You design someone, them as well. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you're a web designer, then no, I'm a web developer. What is the difference if i a web programmer then? Something's yeah. Diff- there is a difference, a very significant difference. Absolutely. It doesn't give, like, the design... God,
1: God, finish, bl- uh, God bless you, it took me about <laughs> half an hour to explain this to my mum a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <actually. laughs> She's a very very bright woman, but yeah, I
0: must have not been explaining it properly. Uh, <laughs> how was your week, Mickey? Uh, yeah, not too bad. It's just uh, well, I say it's every week, but yeah, it's pretty full on, you know, doing the degree and stuff. And uh, but yeah, some good topics and stuff that um, that I'm not really an expert at, but I, I really want to start specialising in this area. And I'm hoping I can do a podcast on this particular area of uh, error handling and testing at some point. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just at uni, sort of been looking at um, error handling, obviously try catch statements, all that kind of stuff. And just really interesting, A, the code, but also, like, the, you know, the theory behind it. And, you know, some of like the, the concepts, like, you know, should we always be displaying an error to uh, a user? I mean, if, if we display an error to the user and the user can't actually do anything about it, what's the point? It's that's like, you know, you know, the example they give is, like, going to an ATM. Uh, you know, to get some cash out and there's an error. Well, it's no good to the user. You know what I mean? They, they even get cash or they don't. But if you, you know, give them an error message that said, I don't know, like some sort of error code, like A1234, it's no good to the user. So you have to be really careful about what you're doing. And also, again, using the cash machine example is you have to be careful with privacy. So you don't want to, print out an error message that might have someone's account details in there or something like that because they might walk off and the next person comes and they've got all your account details. So it's, it's a massive topic, I think. Yeah, and that's definitely, definitely noteworthy of a couple of podcasts, isn't it, really?
1: There's yeah. another one there where pe- people who be trying hack sites, try and force error messages, don't they, to try yeah. and get access to that
0: kind of... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You feel like all those, like, uh, SQL error messages you get and stuff that reveal table names and field names, all that kind of stuff. But... um yeah, it's it's a huge topic and it's definitely one that I need to improve on and uh I think I told you last week that I've been playing with PHP Unit, um and I really like that. Well, you um, said you had a look at uh Symphony this week, didn't you? Like the source code and was quite surprised how Java ish it is. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't really talk about it with enough sort of knowledge at the moment. But I actually <laughs> Symphony is something I want to play with later. But uh but Selenium is something I want to play with next. Um I really want to get the whole testing thing locked up, and you know, really be able to talk about it, um, it with confidence. Really, so I feel you know pretty confident with unit testing now, and I think it, you know even for a beginner PHP developer, I don't think it's anything that's beyond their their scope. I think it's good, probably, to learn while yeah. doing unit testing, so it just comes, you know,
3: part and parcel with
0: development. In my mind now, I think it's kind of like one of the first things that a PHP developer should be learning. Whereas in reality, it's probably one of the last things that. They love. Well, in a business sense,
3: it's because you know it's yeah. very hard for people to be like, "Oh, but you're spending half your time writing tests that no one no one
0: actually sees." And that's like the age old argument, like trying to tell your boss that testing is a a good thing for the business. A massive, massive thing to do, yes, for the business. You just, yeah, it will save you more than it ever. You know, yeah, they're not doing that. Absolutely, but um, other than that, uh, in my spare time, I think I tweeted the other day about uh, I had a little play with Dart. Yeah, you did a blog post, didn't you? I did do a blog post, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of, to be honest with you, I just did the tutorial that uh, that Dart gives you, and um, it basically, you go through this this thing where you create, like, uh, a pirate badge, and it just generates, like, a random pirate name. It's really, really basic, but it's just to get you to grips with the language, and um, I would say very, very, very similar to Java. Um and for me, I was really impressed, actually. It's what they're aiming for, isn't it? The, the Java people. Well, you know... A Java ecosystem to use JavaScript. I'm a massive JavaScript fan. But at the same time, I think it is time for something new, actually. But why would you just stick with that language? Well, you you don't bit, get that well, in any... Because every, it's literally the, it's the assembly of the web, isn't it? And yeah. I think it's never going to go away. I think, as you said, with pre processors and stuff... Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. You you need to. If there's going to be new languages, it has to be stuff that compiles down to JavaScript, which Dart does. And um, but I think in the, I don't. I think in the next version of Chrome, you'll be able to run Dart natively. I don't. See that will be pretty big. Yeah, and I know that the speed is supposed to be a lot better as well. So uh, yeah, I was really impressed. Um, I don't do enough front end development to. Say I'm going to use it all the time, but next time I do, uh, you know, do a front end project like that, I would, uh, I would definitely use it. And I think you can use Dart server side as well, like you can with Node. That would be cool. That um, would be very cool. But, Big old server side apps with it. Yeah, but I, I, again, I'm not clued up enough to uh, talk about that right now. But yeah, I would definitely recommend to anyone to um, to have a play with Dart. Um, I think the the blog item I've done really is just like a few observations on it. Like I say, I can't repeat the tutorial that Dart does, but I'll put the uh, Dart address in the show notes. can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, I'll put that in later. So, yeah, that's that's kind of been my week, really. And, obviously, just coming up to Christmas, it's just – I don't know if you guys had this, but trying to have a nice, clean wrap-up of projects before Christmas is really yeah. quite hard, actually. Um but yeah, so I think it's gonna be a stressful couple of days if We're going to try to tie stuff up. But uh but then yeah, a week off. off. Next week at all or are you off all, all throughout the week? Yeah, I've booked all all three uh, non bank holidays off, so I'll be off all week. Oh, so yeah. yeah, I'm ready for a break from programming to be honest with you. So yeah, yeah looking forward to uh killing a few brain cells and just uh <laughs> just chilling out, I think. So Oh dear. Um how about anyone play with any new plugins or anything noteworthy? Uh- I've got a couple of things, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure you know, Mike, seeing as you were with me. Uh,
3: when we were talking on Skype on Monday, we, we did a, well, I did a shameless plug tweet, didn't I? Well, actually, you did first to Bill Gates, which yeah. obviously, he didn't reply, which was a shock. we're trying to get the word around on the podcast and stuff. And it's really hard to, without sounding too vain, you know, and just being, yeah. you know, just self-promotion. But, yeah. um what I did was I actually tweeted thoughts. To him. I might as well just try to tweet Taylor Rockwell and see what he would say. And uh, for some reason, he didn't re- uh, retweet it, but Dale Rees and Ian Landsman, two other Laravel guys did. Yeah. Um, and when they retweeted it, literally, I went on Google Analytics and 25 people on the site instantly, and it was great. I really appreciate it. I want to thank them, you know, yeah, really definitely. thank you to, for you know, actually doing that, for retweeting yeah. it, because just getting a word about, about the podcast... Um, and also IRC Maxell, he also had a little listen to the podcast, the first one, and he did bring up quite a good point about, we we mentioned W3 schools, I don't think we actually endorsed it that much, he thought, you know, we endorsed it, I I mean, we did explain... Did he take it, like, exception to the fact that we've kind of... Well, Is the trouble with it is quite old old material on it yeah. and stuff. But with the HTML and CSS, it's good. I mean, PHP it does teach some bad practices. I did yep. have a look with MySQL, My, MySQL connections and stuff. But what we want to take from that is, like, you should do... I mean, you can use it, but just, just everything you learn from it, maybe take with a pinch of salt, and it does come up high in the Google rankings, which definitely helps it. Um, it isn't It isn't related to W3C, which is the uh, World uh, Wide Web Consortium, which is the actual official place for the World Web. But, it, you know, people do get that uh, confused with W3 schools. But I personally think, you know, it is an OK site to use just for reference and stuff. But again, take it with a pinch of salt. There are a couple of other things you can look at. You can look at the M- Mozilla Development Network, the MDN. I'll put that in the show notes, what we talked about on the first episode. And also PHP the Right Way, which is a from the guy who made Slim framework. And it's quite a nice little wrap up of what good practice is currently in PHP development. Um, and then also w 3 foolscom com, which is a funny site from Paul Irish, which just highlights why there are a couple of things wrong with w3schools. But I still thought it'd be good to emphasise: yeah, don't use it as your your single point of reference. Uh, I take everything with a pinch of salt. But yeah, it's one place you can have a look to look, you know, for things because nothing on the internet is 100 percent right. You know, this is we all take it. You know. Yeah. Um and another thing actually, um sorry I keep ranting on, but there was a couple of things I did find called cool, explain uh, explainshell.com. I sent it a tweet, I don't know if any of you actually had a look at it. I haven't, sorry. Oh um. you need to have a look at it. Look at it now. It is awesome. Explain What's shell, it's for command lines. It's explainshell.com and it actually explains, which is, is way in the day the shell commands that you're doing. So you maybe you have, like, a big old shell command that has a couple of options, you yeah, know, a couple of pipes in there. Maybe you're doing it all kind of a sed in it. But it will actually split them up using the ability. It's really clever the way the guy's done it. Like, it splits it up into the little bits and explains each individual bit of the actual command. Yeah. Very useful. Uh, and another one that actually ties in with that is commandlinefoo.com, which has some, like, very cool, um, like... It has a very cool, like it's, it's literally like the snippets thing that um, that Lewis was talking about, but for command line uh, like commands, and having like a few cool, interesting ones like that. You know, like finding out your IP address quickly and stuff. Um, and then finally, I found so funny today, or I think it was yesterday, maybe, and I, I sent you a tweet out, and I'm sure you didn't look at it, because no one looks at my tweets. I, think I, I looked at this, oh, but I wasn't really sure <laughs> what was going on. Oh, the uh, flexible function, naming. Yeah. Yeah, it was oh, it's hilarious. It's, it's one of those, I, I, I the reason I'm talking about it, it's that discussion in the beginning of, of the first podcast, which is PHP was made for just a simple, you know, it's a simple language at start, first, that has grown and grown and grown. And... Um, they had a little discussion on the internal for internals, uh, uh, bulletin boards on the PHP one. And uh, it, this guy was talking about why, like why were the naming conventions and stuff? And like why HTML special chars was called HTML special chars, And like, there's no, and the reason being is that there had the, re- the way that, um, they store their names and they, the way PHP stores everything, even an array is in something called a hash map. And the idea of a hash map is, is you have these uh, set amount of buckets that you put information in. And, um, the, way, the reason why they had to name these things a certain way was to be able to get it, because their hashing mechanism was string length, so the length of the string, and so they had to like to, to, to distribute them between all the buckets they had. They had to name the things a certain length <laughs> to make it so it was more even, you know, to make it, so it was more performant in it. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about hash maps and stuff later on, but I just thought it was funny that, oh, yes. Yeah, the reason why some of these names come about is not because, you know, there was obviously probably more sensible names, but it's because of the performance in there, like, I need to have it, because there was under 100 functions, I need to have these but you know, buckets being you know evenly distributed with uh, items. I just thought that was funny. I thought you know, I just thought it's just typical PHP, you know. And I'm sure that's like in any languages, those little bits that you know that you know people pick up, and it's just like, oh, that was done just
0: because of this reason. Yeah, I think I told you the other day that the uh, the lecturer at Kent. Who teaches PHP? He even he calls it a dog's language.
3: Yeah, I was um, interested by it. So did he actually bring it up at, at all? Like his reasons behind it or anything?
0: Or I'm, was you just I'm not doing that module to be honest. But um, like, some of the guys PHP. who were doing it, they were telling me that yeah, he, he the guy who teaches it actually slates it. So See, uh, I don't, I don't really
1: resent these this kind of feedback
0: to PHP because it's well, yeah. Yeah, it's the White
1: first Hughes. thing that I ever learned, and, and in in you know in a fairly quick space of time, you know, I got into a career with it. So I. I fail. I fail to see why it gets so heavily slated, but maybe that's because I I haven't researched other languages so much.
3: No, I'm right. popularity. You know, the, the people use it. That means it, you know this is the thing. You know, it's like another language could be out there that's better, but are people still going to use it? JavaScript is P- it, is a perfect example of that.
1: But if PHP is so so rubbish, what what are all the cool kids using then?
3: Oh, the hipsters are using Node and Ruby. Yeah. Or
1: do you, Ruby.
3: Uh, if you want to use Go now, I mean, there's the languages come out every week, and you know it's. I mean, yeah. I mean, PHP for what it is is great, and you know, I, I just, I just thought that was funny. Highlighting that in the internals why they were doing it, and it's all to do with just bucket yeah. sizes of the thing. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's me. That's me showing up now.
0: Cool. <laughs> uh, has anyone else got anything they want to say before we dive into our this week's topic? I, I
1: had, I had a fun play around today um, with my uh, with my framework. Make I've been making like a, a terminal based. Um, module for migrations, like you know, kind of like Laravel uses and stuff like that. And I was, yeah, I was messing around. There's a, there's a snippet wow. that I put on my snippet tonight today, messing around with the um, MySQL dump function, um, which was really, really cool and very, very helpful. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was good. And uh, used the old, uh, the old Google Map plugin again today. GMap3. Can't, can't plug that one enough. Did really we good. actually
3: post that in the show notes? Can you send me that link to that?
1: That'd be great. Yeah, I'll find it. It's just, it's just so easy. I do like that one. Yeah, but um yeah, you can do you can um use the MySQL dump to uh to get all your database information nice and easily without having to actually um export it from the database itself or use um SQL Pro or PHP in my admin. It's just, it's not even that long a function to write. If uh if you if you look on my Twitter page you'll see the link that I put to it, it's quite straightforward. I'm really looking forward to seeing this framework. work. You hearing some good things about it though. Yeah. <laughs> well main, mainly from me. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's you know I'm not I'm not saying you know I don't I don't even know if, if if it'll ever get used for a real proper project but it's just kind of a learning exercise for me and if it evolves into something ultimately that I can use then then all the better but there yes. there are certainly tools I'm building along the way that I know I will definitely use yeah so I I do as I said um, in the other podcast I so I really recommend everyone gives it a go just to build up your own collection of libraries and stuff that you've made yourself of of, of PHP bits and bobs
0: and yeah. sew them all together that's all it is yeah well like Ed said I'm definitely looking forward to seeing yours man and um yeah I'll, I might take you up on that idea sometime I'll I'll try and give that go myself but yeah cool. nice one so um yeah this week we're going to be talking about how you put together your code and uh, the different options that are available to you and I think we discussed before the show that perhaps a cool way to kick this off would be to go around and and ask what the first editor that people used was. So uh, it, let's let's kick off for you then, Ed. You want to say what, what you used?
3: Yeah. So I'm pretty sure we're going to have very similar
0: answers, but mine was Notepad, bog
3: standard Windows Notepad, back in year eight of a uh, secondary school, playing around and simple HTML and a bit of CSS, just saving it, loading up the browser, and just seeing the results. Just nice plain bog standard Notepad. Yeah, I don't think the web
0: even existed when I was at secondary school, so uh, <laughs> okay. it's quite I, embarrassing. I
1: used Notepad for the first time at age
2: uh, twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thirty now, actually. <laughs> uh, Fraser, how about you? Yeah, same as Ed. Um, I jumped in with, with Notepad in a, a module at the university, and it was kind of like one of these things, like you write yeah, your name and stuff, and yeah, save save the an Notepad and, and refresh your browser. And at the time, like the, the big this is like back in '98. Yeah. Um and the big fashion was, was on websites they're all done in, in uh frames, so you had your menu in a in a frame. Yes, yeah. frames. Yeah, and a frame for your header as well at the top of your main bit, yeah. yeah. And then the, the big trick was always like getting that because every single website out there had to ha or didn't have to, but like the fashion was to have like the curved the curve thing that goes around the top. So your, your top menu kind of like curves into Brilliant. your side. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the, the big trick was trying to like match up the curve between like the two or three frames. And, oh, uh, yeah. I, must, I honestly must have spent a whole day trying to get one of like that. <laughs> and it looked, shit, it looked really, really bad. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that was my first foray anyway. and I, I hated it. <laughs> and Lewis, you were saying that you, you didn't touch it till, till you were 27.
1: Yeah, well, it was the that uh, was the first thing that I, that I saw. Actually, no, it was the second thing that I saw because um, I did a short Open University course in um, in website design. First of all, right? Um, Ed, you're like this. The, the program that we used there was called Composer with a K. Really? Yeah,
3: wow. with a K. And it,
1: it was heard of that. it was basically um, I don't know, like a like a a poor man, not a poor man version. That sounds a bit hard, but Dreamweaver, but not as not as not as good as a free Dreamweaver. A free dreamweaver? Uh, yes. Painful, yes. Yeah. Free yeah. Dreamweaver, but yeah, basically it was it was a sounds like a, a WYSIWYG a, and stuff. A, yeah. a complete WYSIWYG editor. Um, and there and then, yeah. Basically, when I started to um, to watch all my YouTube tutorials and learn it for myself, um, I finally <laughs> this is this is how um, how little I know about computers before I started. I finally learned what Notepad was actually for. <laughs> it, was, it was just sort of something that was on a menu, but I never used it because I was uh, using like Microsoft Word and all those kind of things before, but now with web stuff i actually yeah figured out there's this thing called notepad that gets used for websites
2: so yeah so, that was my yeah. first one so before you did the open university course were you big into computers at all or was it was it a completely new field altogether for you i i would i would class myself as just kind of your bog standard internet user you know oh, yeah. i just
1: emails, facebook mm-hmm. that sort of thing um yeah not not massively computer techie i'm still i'm still not to be honest there's a lot of uh, really fundamental computer knowledge that people automatically assume that, that web developers have, which I probably don't. It's not a it's not a strong point of mine like um, well, they're
3: different areas though, aren't they? They're different specialities. Well, yeah, start you know, hard and soft guys. That's yeah. they do. They deal with the hardware, we deal with the software.
1: Yeah, if you start talking about motherboards and all that stuff, um, you know, I
2: have no idea really. Um Well I bet but, that's refreshing for, for people that might be listening to that to, to this. That might be really refreshing to them because I guess a lot of people may be coming to, to web development a similar, thing, a similar thing like the late 20s early 30s or whatever and, and yeah. maybe, maybe they've been in a career for the last 10 years completely unrelated and thinking well is this something I can get into and I, I guess your your testament to the fact that you can get into it yeah absolutely yeah
1: you, you definitely can um, you know I, I, I look at it you know building websites is a, is, a, is, a, is a single component within a computer you know in the same way that um, you know anything that you'd install on, on your computer and use it's just a different kind of program you know it's it's that's, that's that's how I see it, really. It's, if that makes
3: sense, yeah, no, that yeah. does
0: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Mickey? What, what was your first foray into web? And well, <laughs> well, I mean, I know we discussed it the other week, but you know, I was very much that whole GeoCities, uh, Angel Fire kind of era, and um, so I come. Kind of the first websites I built were in their their kind of like you know web builder things, and then um, I think the first website I ever made. There was like a local artist, and she just wanted like a website with some, you know, samples of her pictures and stuff. And I know this doesn't really count, but um, and this is really embarrassing. But the first website I ever made, I just made in Microsoft Word in Word, like, not front page. Yeah, hey, wow, no, it was in Word, and it's it was like, web page, yes, same so as <laughs> yeah, yeah, web page. I'd, I'd like to do that now, to be honest with you, so I could get away with it, but um, yeah, but that is honestly, that is one of the first ways I first saw html was because i saw ah, the cool, source yeah, code they produced yeah and actually i don't know something clicked with me quite early on like like how you've got the symmetry you've got an open tag you've got a closed tag and it's that kind of like xml type the structure marks, yeah the markup language of it, it, yeah exactly and that kind of made sense to me quite early on so then from that it kind of led me on to yeah i think it was i think it was front page i think it came free with like windows at one point and um yeah, that's how I really started, uh, and I think I used that for a little while, and then I think I went to Notepad Plus Plus for many years. Actually, I think probably Wait, didn't you have Komodo as well?
3: Wasn't that Komodo, Komodo? was after Notepad? Yeah, ah, yeah, because I do remember you using that first when we when we first you know worked together.
1: Yeah, that's but- quite well supported, though, isn't it? I've seen a lot of a lot of articles that say Komodo is very good. It's
0: quite nice, but it does. does it produce files in the directory? Yeah, I was going to say yeah, that's that. Another thing, yeah, that was project yeah. files. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think yeah. it does. Actually, I don't know for sure. I think it does. I think Komodo is quite similar to Composer. I was just looking at Composer, which looks quite nice actually. I have to say again, you know, open source. I think a good composer. It's very, yeah, composer is yeah. very very nice and straightforward to use. Definitely, yeah. and so, free obviously as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's basically. um. What I started using, really. So, I guess now we should move on to the different types. As I know, you uh, obviously we split it up into text editors and IDEs and source editors. So, um, Ed, did you want to go into a little bit about that? Yeah, then? yeah, sure, man. Um, yeah, so well, we've been talking about all these things like what's Notepad, you know, etc. What's Word?
3: what, what Microsoft Word, etc. Uh, so, so, a text editor is simply a tech is a program that just edits plain text files. And uh, plain textiles are useful for us because they're the what actually store the source code, like the HTML, like the CSS, et cetera. Uh, they, it's great. They're great because of their compatibility. Because they're so simple, they're, you can, in any operating system, in any environment, it was actually one of the reasons why Unix and Linux operating systems became so popular was the fact that they didn't use proprietary binary formats. They used plain text formats, which could be used and opened on any operating system. Um, The difference is, this is confusing, so you know when we were talking about Microsoft Word and exporting it as HTML, so really what actual uh, Microsoft Word is, it's called a a document word processor, and that produces document files. And the differences between plain text files and document files are that with a plain text file, you're only going to get simple character sets like the ASCII, uh, which allow you to represent stuff like numbers, letters, and symbols. And the only formatting options you're going to get with that are new lines, tabs, and spaces and then we of course will get into the abate of tabs versus spaces which in programming is like you know a war um with word processors you typically get more stuff along the lines of that with that it's like formatted text so you can make things bold you can make things underlined. you can have different fonts uh you have the ability to present things in tables and columns all stuff that you can actually do with a browser so you have to so get the So you can do that you're not actually getting it displayed in the in the plain text editor it, when you when it goes to the actual browser that's when it gets rendered in that case this you actually see it actually being what it is at that time uh, called a WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Uh, so document files are typically uh, used uh, when, you, when you want to print it out or maybe export it as a PDF. Um, so yeah, that, those are the two differences. Those those two things: documents and text files. Document files like Word. So, so with Word, they use a, they used to use a, I mean, we use a .doc and .doc is actually just a binary file. So it needs a proprietary software to actually be able to open that and run and see inside and everything. It's got it, it's, its own language almost inside of it and how it's, how it's structured out, like JPEG, et .dot .x, which is the new format, it's actually just a zipped up XML file. So they got that bit right, where they're just saying that plain text
0: is the way to go. Yeah. I guess the nice thing about, you know, just a plain text editor is that it's available to absolutely anyone. Like, you know, on any computer, you'll have a basic text editor, that's so you literally, it. anyone can build a website, you know, with just that. Um, you know, especially if it was just a HTML website, you could literally create it, save it, view it in your browser straight away.
1: I used Notepad plus plus for the first year and a half, probably. That, that is actually a great. That is actually that's a source code. Yeah, that
3: yeah. is and that is actually a really good source code editor. So yeah.
1: If if you could um, see all your files and easily um, go through all your files like you can like with Sublime, which I which I use now, then. I, you know, I can't see any reason why I wouldn't still use it. That was that was the only thing that I think there might have been some sort of plugin that you could get for it, but that was that was the major thing that it was missing for me. I think. Yeah. And,
3: yeah. So yes, yeah, so, so with text editors, there's a couple of things that you can actually. Um, like, it's things you should look out for and what you normally will get in every text editor. I'm sure we want to... So you've got, like, search, um, string search algorithms, so stuff like, you know, find and replace, globally search and find and replace, conditionals and unconditional search, find and replace, uh, the, the simple cut, copy and paste, which we get on every operating system, but, you know, certain things like that. Maybe you have to have, like, a, um, a, cut, a cut clipboard history, which you can then go back to and everything to see, like, I actually want to copy that one instead. Uh, text formatting, so stuff like line... So the formatting in the sense of not actually styling but like line wraps, auto indentation, and comment styling. So in source, this, this goes into what should which is, is a source editor, is a plain text editor. But really, a plain editor, you, you can have comment styling. Uh, you've got your undo and redo. Uh, the ability to handle UTF-8 encoded text is very important in any in, any text editor or in anything we're going to be talking about today. And that is UTF-8 is, is great because it allows for pretty much every language character set. All the Japanese, all the Chinese, all you know, French accents and stuff. It, it allows for all that. Um, finally, you also may get in a text editor text folding, which is stuff that uh, allows you to like hide bits of code, like bits of code or in bits of text. Maybe if you're writing a book with paragraphs and stuff, using LaTeX, which is a language for you know actually printing it, like exporting uh, uh, books and stuff. So allows for you to then hide stuff in text, like hide uh, text folding, hide it so you can save stuff or um, save re- screen real estate for what you're typing in and stuff. Yeah, syntax highlighting is also um, important. It is. It is important. The trouble with that, it's very hard. Like, is it is that to do? With, I suppose I'd actually probably put that more to do with source editors, um, which we then can get moved on to. Actually, because source yeah. editors are what we actually are going to use. C++ um, does some very basic kind of syntax highlighting, doesn't it? In, in spots. So the thing about a source editor, which is different, and it's very hard. It's one of those ambiguities. Which oh, can wow. you define them? It's wishy-washy. Everyone has their own opinion. So a source editor, you can you can define a source editor. Is, is it something that actually helps towards producing code? Stuff like has syntax highlighting, has autocomplete functionality. Maybe IntelliSense a little bit, a little bit of IntelliSense bracket matching match functionality, auto indentation. With you know, when you're doing stuff like uh, a function and you want it to auto indent when you've done the method signature, you want to go actually into the block of the actual the function block. Um, examples of that are Sublime Text, Edit Plus. Um, you've got your Notepad++. Plus, plus. Uh, you may also find that they have stuff like linting. Uh, linting is like Simple syntax checking, and that can be not only on source code, it can also be on doc markup language like HTML, like LaTeX, and stuff like that. Uh, you may also get a small bit of functionality into actually being able to access the compiler. So, say if you're out in Java, I remember back in uni, I used Edit Plus for the first year instead of using the big old IDE we did. And we had to, you could hook in the Java C actual compiler into the, the GUI of Edit Plus and be able to simply run and compile your applications from there, which was quite nice.
0: I'm just going to, uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't really have an opinion on it, but uh, not just for Ed, but for Lewis and Fraser to see what your opinion is. But I guess something that's a common feature between source code editors and IDEs is auto-completion. And um, yep. I've been like teaching a guy Java recently and showed him auto-completion feature on, on BlueJ. But um, I kind of think in some ways it's great. It helps you write code quicker. But, in some ways, I also like taking it back to documentation and just okay, I guess you you display the same thing almost, but I almost think it's it's better in some ways to go on Google or go on PHP.net, actually look at the documentation and like list everything that's in within that that class or or what have you rather than just having the auto completion. It's yeah. Tough, yeah, for learning, I think it's good. I mean, it's quite
3: nice sometimes when you just like, I don't know what this object will have, click dot, and then an IntelliSense will come up. And that's yeah. more of an IDE thing, but IntelliSense will come up with all like, the Java docs and all the documentation for it. Yeah. But yeah, I know, I mean, it, you can kind of be, become blasé with it and not actually know what the method is Do
0: you have and that just be like any? typing dots and just expecting things to come up. It's been a while what? since I've used Sublime because I'm I have to use Dreamweaver at work really, but does Sublime have autocomplete? So it does and it doesn't. So it it, snippets. it, it, it has snippets, snippet, but it also it has it has
3: intelligent uh autocomplete in that it will look through what you're doing in that current document and be able to say, Oh, did you mean this word? So if you've already used that word before, if you've always used that variable, it already know it will know that oh maybe you want that to be, you know, replace it with this and stuff. Yeah which is quite good because it's kind of like catch-all of like anyone may need to use this. So it's not specific to any language, etc. Yeah, uh, but it'll give you the whole, you can't start typing typing a, a class name
2: or a, no. sorry, a function name and it'll give you the, the variables you need to pass into it. No, no. uh, I, I don't
3: know. Actually, I think it may, um, I don't yeah, know. There's a million plugins. Yeah, there's yeah, plugins. To, in. I think probably one of my plugins is doing that instead. Of, yeah, that's the thing. Plugins is a big one. And that's, yeah. that's what you don't get with text editors, but you do get with source code editors and IDEs. Um, One thing. Oh, sorry. Oh no, no, you can sign
1: No, I was. I was just going to say that one of the one of the first things that you taught me actually when um, when we were working together is you know never never copy and paste anything. um, You know, try to
3: avoid. Try and type in as much as you can. Absolutely, it will go through. It goes through. Yeah, you have to do the whole process of acknowledging it and then take yeah, actually reproducing it. Copy and paste is literally just you know you don't it doesn't go through at all. You can't Mm -hmm. register it. It Just you don't mind. You know, even if you're literally looking at another file and putting exactly the same thing just, just type the whole it's thing it's that in. learning yeah absolutely because it's that thing like do I understand that line do I understand what that bit's doing and, and it will help you you'll learn so much quicker yeah. even though you think you're doing it's like you know it's a slower process you learn so much
1: more I find it. that it's weird what you retain as well like so the next time you come to write something similar you'll you'll find that
3: you remember bits and bobs that maybe you, you didn't realise at the time absolutely I mean, there's this whole, and another thing with that when we get onto source editors, and what we've got is the whole Vim versus Emacs. Now it is a bit scary, uh, but it's pretty useful to actually talk about this editor war in quotes because you probably will hear a lot about, it, especially if you go on like Tuts Plus and stuff. You'll hear like Jeffrey Way, and you'll see Jeffrey Way using this funky looking uh, editor, and it's called Vim, uh, Vi Improved. It is. So Vi is the Vi is the original from the 70s, I think it is, and then Vim was in the 80s. This guy made it and improved on the Vi. Um, it's not scary. It's it's scary in a sense of what you can do with it. it's very powerful and to start using it can be a bit confusing. But really, it's just another source code. Um, they've got this whole joke with uh, Richard Stallman. He's the creator of uh, the GNU uh, compiler collection and also GNU Emacs. So he He made Emacs. He calls VI the editor of the beast. So they've got this weird, you know, war going on between them. Uh, but the funny thing with this, this war is that unlike any other battles relating to like programming and stuff like operating systems, programming languages, coding style, this decision actually really only affects yourself because every file that you're making is really just a plain text file. So really, it doesn't matter how you get to that. I mean, you know, say, like, OK, Lou, you, you're using Sublime, maybe, you know, Mickey's using BIM and then maybe Fraser's using Emacs. I mean, as long as you all can produce the same thing, which is a plain text file, you're all happy. It, it, you know, it really is what you've like. Um, it's, it's all completely personal preference. Isn't all it, personal, I mean? absolutely but yeah it's just not to be scared by the names really i mean vi so vi uh, sorry vim vim improved is a modal approach so that can be very confusing at first so you don't just type the thing and click around it's a modal approach where you're like an insert mode and edit mode uh one of the things that it does, it is quicker than emacs um it runs on a lot of systems that can support the standard c library so you've got windows i would you can. There's many extensions on it. If you go to GitHub, you'll find so many extensions. And they're all written in Vim script, or they have APIs to interact with interpreted languages like Python, Ruby, and Lua. I love Lua. Uh, it comes out of the box with both Unix and Unix like systems. So if you've got a Mac OS X system, if you just go into the terminal and type Vim, you've got it. You've already, you've already got it installed and stuff. Um, and once you do learn the shortcuts, if you spend the time it will make you a much more efficient developer. I mean, I actually stress, go and look at just what Jeffrey Way does in his tutorials, not even to look at the actual tutorial, just him using the editor. You'll find it's so quick and the things it can do is such, you know, so efficient. It is great. I mean, it is actually probably worth the time to learn it. I mean, I've learned a little bit of it and I've moved back to sublime, but I really recommend if you really want to be an efficient developer using a text source editor, it is you know a great tool to use. So, um, what does it actually do that the
2: other editors don't do? Because I've used Vim very, very, like maybe a handful of times in my life, and that's literally just when I'm going when I'm, I'm uh, I want to say telnet. Yeah, don't oh, get yeah, yeah, SSH in, but yeah. SSH into uh, into another yep. server to edit a file directly <laughs> on the box. That's the only time I've ever used it, and it it's, it's obviously fiddly because I'm I'm not familiar with it. But what what is it that actually makes it stand out above? above a standard text editor would you say
3: um it's it's strange it's because it's been around for so long um people have kind of grown in love with it um it started up it started off in the like 70s with like keyboards that didn't even have uh, arrow keys so you use instead h j k and l uh, moving around that's why it was modal approach that people could do and it's all about the idea is that you don't take your hands off the keyboard right so everything you can do is just in the keyboard it's quicker to go all the way to the mouse It's such a you know such a drag so hard to do you know, I haven't got the energy for that. Stay on the keyboard. And it is very quick to do things like replacing words, quick things like I want to go to the end of the phone, mm-hmm. to this line, etc. Uh, and it is also the plugin support because it's been around for so long, there's so many plugins. Um, there is actually a because this is the trouble with I, I think actually a pretty good question to ask is like how hard is it for you to change editors? Because I find it very hard because I don't when I when I want to make a transition to a new editor, especially with someone like Vim or Emacs. You become unproductive for a while, you know, because yep. you aren't doing the same thing. You're not. Oh, it's not there anymore. You know, I have to go in here and do it this way. And you're looking constantly on Google. I mean, do you actually change editors that much, or are you? Uh, well,
1: it's, it's your whole personal sort of development environment, isn't it? So you know, you get you do get really used to stuff and how things look, and you know, even even like if you change the font size in the editor that you use, and if you kind of zoom in a bit or zoom it, out,
3: it can feel right, it, does it? And it kind of brings you together. Yeah, absolutely. When we're in the text editor for, or you know source editor on IDE pretty much most of the day. You know, yeah, and it's kind of scary how much time we're using it. So that's yeah. when you do become personal and familiar with it, and that's right. why you probably become so passionate about it.
2: Yeah, um, a big thing for me when when swapping between different text editors is what you were saying about autocomplete before, and like you get kind of used to like you are sitting there and you see CSS and you type in like I don't know like uh, Text decoration and then you know you get all the, you get all the, the options you want. One, yeah. How many strikes of the down key you have to press for underline. Absolutely. And another one it might be two 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 strokes down for underline and then in the other editor it might be two strokes down for for n- none. Or, or, yeah, completely
3: uh, different. Yeah, absolutely agree. And it's just that it's that muscle memory that you build syntax, up for it. Syntax highlighting as well. Syntax, syntax. Yeah, syntax, yeah. And that's another like style of themes and stuff. That's another thing within there's a lot of themes similar to Sublime. And make it look pretty and make it look the way you want. Um, I use one called Solarize, which is a very popular one. But this guy's actually done some math to work out what the best like light and dark colors are for a pro, like for for displaying for, like displaying actual text on a page, which is quite good. Cool. Yeah. Um, with Vim, there's a, there is one thing I did use uh, to actually get inv- involved in Vim, which we call Cream. Cream's like this; um, it's a pre-packaged bundle of Vim with a bunch of plugins and stuff, and and it's kind of like this gateway drive into the Vim universe where. You can still do the clicking around. It still gives you the stuff you would normally get with another source editor and stuff, maybe like Notepad plus plus etc. But you can slowly. It tra- means you can then slowly transition to, to using like the keyboard shortcuts and, and stuff. So I would recommend that. I'll put that in the show notes. Cream. If you're looking for to get into something like them, cream is definitely. Out. And also look at Jeffrey Way's articles. Here, or his videos. He's great for it. And um, then there's Emacs. And so the Emacs is an operating system in an operating system, pretty much. It's got everything in the kitchen sink. Uh, It actually comes with a newsreader, a mail agent, and a couple of games inbuilt, actually, in the editor. So you can actually... um, So it's been ported to operating systems like Windows and stuff, uh, OSX and Linux. Um, It it uses a Lisp dialect. So Lisp is a Lisp pro. It's one very old language. Uh, It uses its own dialect called Emacs Lisp, and that allows it to customize and extend it to provide all this extra functionality. Such as browsers, you can even have a browser inside of this. Um, inside of this actual text in this source editor, uh, it also then means you can actually use it as an IDE somewhat. So you can actually call it an IDE, and develop an integrated development environment, really, because of how much customization you can do through Emacs Lisp. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, you were talking in yes. Do not talk in the in the uh, I am thing. Oh dear. Sorry, my sound cut out. Then one one yeah. thing actually, do do, I, do any of you guys,
1: um, or have you paid for any of these editors that you've used? Or is- sublime. Oh, you have you, you got know, sublime three? I,
3: I, I, I have. Well, I've got sublime. I pay for sublime 2. Uh, to our pay for sublime three. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I should probably do that because it, it's not a big issue. Well, obviously it's a big
2: issue to them, but in terms of usability, it's not a big thing to to close the dialogue every every. Yeah, 10, it's the, yeah, it's a non-registered yeah.
0: and stuff. Isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I do need to do that as well. I've got yeah. to be honest. I kind of refuse to, and I know this is bad, yeah. but I kind of think one of the things I love about the web is like the free spirit. Like you can do a thing free, pretty much. Okay, you've got to pay for your hosting, or whatever. But I, I'm not having a go at Sublime at all. Don't get me wrong, because I think it's an amazing piece of software, and they should buy all rights charge. But I kind of like the idea that you can just download something free and and put something together. I just—that's just my personal feeling, but really, I, I, but then like they've done all this work on it, though. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, I'm not lucky to I
2: think You just have to close a dialogue every exactly, every time. and that's
1: kind I of what I do. The, to be honest, you know, the open source community, everyone, everyone's kind of doing their own,
0: playing their own part, aren't they? And everyone's kind of giving back to each other. I mean, the whole reason for me, yeah. like why well, we're doing the podcast, is to give something back, It'll be part of that community, but
3: yeah, uh, well, I, I, I kind
0: it, of, I think of it as a donation to them, really. Because like, I don't like, I love
3: the fact that you know, the work they've done. You know, it's not like yeah. Photoshop or Office or anything. You're paying up like, the big bucks or that. So I know I'm, I'm really just paying like pre one developer or a couple. Yeah, you know, passionately on this project. That, that's why I do it because I, for them, not for the fact that I'm actually getting the product. It's more keep up the good work, guys. Here's a donation. Yeah, yeah. Think
1: the thing with Sublime is though. I used the free version and it does everything that I need it to do. I mean, what what does it do? That oh in no, the it, doesn't, it doesn't.
3: It doesn't. It, that, that's the nice thing about them. They, they literally just say. Actually, there was one funny thing. One text editor on a Mac. I can't remember the name of it. After but after the trial ended, thirty days, you could use it, but it only used the font Comic Sans. Oh yes, <laughs> The <That was technically laughs> awesome was <laughs> that. I mean, that's <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, moving on from that. Uh, <laughs> there, nothing. There's nothing you can't do with it. It's just the fact that you've just registered for it. And you know you just you're just donating. That's all I feel to it.
1: Well, I'm I'm all for that as well. I can see it from both sides of the fence. You know, it's good to support the people that have put their tu- you know spent time to make things for you, um, and that are, that are giving it out free of charge. I think that's I think that's good, and it's good to support those definitely. And
3: also, another thing with uh, Sublime is there's a lot of plugins out there. Oh, millions! I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, we have to put in the show notes like the package manager and everything you have to do and that stuff. But it is the, the there's so many and they and because they're all written in Python, so it's quite easy to pick them up and you know and just start kind of building your own one if you need to. Yeah, I mean, it's sublime everyone's
2: current main main choice
3: at the yeah, moment. Sublime three at the moment.
2: Oh, are you actually used to, Is there anything good in Sublime three? That I, I couldn't uh, tell the difference to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Um, apart from it's got a bigger number.
3: <laughs> right? That's it. in my well, one and you're done. I like it. New release
2: cycle. Yeah, I was using, uh, before I was using Sublime, I was on uh, Coda. Um, yeah, because you like that?
3: That's like an all-in-one with that like, NFT, hasn't yeah, it? And CSS, Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. I yeah. use yeah.
2: Coda as well. The reason, I, uh, the reason I started using Coda is there was, uh, when, I, when I was working in New Zealand, the my boss over there had a, a spare license for it. So he, he gave me the license because at the time I was using Dreamweaver. I've been using Dreamweaver for, well, pretty much since since, you were, since I found out about it at university because um, the, the code editor on Dreamweaver is actually pretty See, that
3: is actually a program we you talk code editor uh, sorry Dreamweaver and front page yeah. what are they now they're, they're, they're kind of web, they're more web developer source editors I find like web developer editors where they're specific for the web similar to Coder yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah they, they are like I mean that's one that was after the notepad that was my next one front page yeah
2: Absolutely, and and, and I still stand by. It. I I think that the, the code editor on Dreamweaver is really really good. Um, and it, and I was using that as as a just as a, a code editor because I wasn't using the design environment. Because yeah, we're well, you, using design. Of crap. Yeah, if you like, if you draw if you draw a div on on Dreamweaver, you get like a thousand lines of code behind it.
3: Yeah, uh, that, that intelligent building it up like Photoshop style, what you see is what you get type thing doesn't work with code.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I was using that just as an editor, um, and obviously it's, it's a little bit overkill—like seven hundred megs worth of of software just to just to
3: write lines of text. Yeah. You even, we're you using we even using the preview uh, view because there's a preview view, isn't there as well? But I don't know whether I'm not sure because I quite often run it in in
2: split design and code view, so you can sit there and write code and then watch it come so that, to life. That is quite cool. That
3: is because yeah. I think Coda does that as well, doesn't it? i no, I
2: didn't notice.
3: Oh, actually, no. It, yeah, it does have a it does have like a live preview type thing. Does yeah. But then with live reload and stuff, or just like, yes, type thing they can does it on its own. You can use that's any browser you like. You use Firefox yeah. or Chrome or you know.
2: No, apparently, you can't use Firefox because there's, there's. Oh really? Yeah, I think it's only Safari and Chrome that. You oh, can WebKit. Because um, yeah, they're using Blink now on Chrome, aren't they? Blink, maybe. Yeah. Oh
3: dear. Well, how about you, Mickey?
0: I have to use uh, Dreamweaver because um, a lot of our sites are using Dreamweaver templates. Yeah, I've never... What is a Dreamweaver template? I've never quite Uh, understood that. It's just basically, you know, like, um, okay, like, when we used to make coding nicer sites and we'd have, like, a a template, like a view file that everything fed out of, basically. Oh, right, yeah, and you've got, like, placeholder bits. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like that. and um, But basically say that one of the other developers on the project is, has changed the template, then when you go to make changes, you can check you've got the latest version of the template and then pull it down and all that kind of stuff. I like version control development. That's mm, weird. Is kind it only, of. And it's only
3: in, in Dreamweave and not actually when it goes out. When you push it out, is it static HTML? or
0: When you push it out, it, it goes out as um, static HTML, yeah. It's so not ColdFusion. You don't know, use no. it <laughs> But uh, no, I gotta be honest. I I hate Dreamweaver with passion. I I really can't tolerate it. I mean, but... it is great. I mean, I used Front page for a while when I was a, when I was
3: um, starting off because it is nice actually sometimes to like drag something in to see what code is produced, even though the code can be quite ugly. Like especially with like the hover effects and stuff, and you just see the it's literally it's quite funny. If you go into some sites, you're like, you know what, this town looks a familiar Dreamweaver site. If you view the source, you'll see like the, the you know like the hover functions and stuff they use. Yeah, like JavaScript. You like that's belonging a Dreamweaver site. Yeah. But, um, but one thing the design view was good for, though, was
2: was tables.
3: Yes, like, that's so good. Yeah, and actually, <coughs> sizing them up and everything.
2: And you, can, you can merge your cells and what yeah. you. yeah. have you. because like, yeah,
3: actually having to work out all this weird because tables, yeah. yeah, tables can get especially when you back in the day we actually had to s- s- design with tables. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That was a lifesaver. I mean, it yeah, worked actually. really well then, and I think they are still trying. There's a couple of Adobe projects. Cooler, I think, is one of them where they're trying to make this. They're, they're trying to make it's so hard to do, but they're trying to make a WYSIWYG editor like the Photoshop of web development. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen, but right. they are trying their best with these, like, intelligent ways of building, you know, haste, uh, markup from what yeah. you want from a, you know, simple GUI interface, but it is very hard to do, and that's why, you know, computers don't program themselves, and we're still doing it, because, you know, AI and stuff is very hard to do. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever used to do the, uh, the the slices on Photoshop? Oh, that was, they are great as well. Yeah,
2: and that. so, because, yeah, when I when I got my first job back in, in like, 2000, um, that was... I, I was a, a junior web developer and it was a case of, like, the designer would send you over a PSD. You'd slice it up and, and export it and then delete oh, yeah. areas and put background colors on. And Yeah,
3: and, no, uh, remember, yeah, remember that, the, the old CSS days when, yeah, everyone's a background, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that was great. But, I mean, I suppose that moves us. So we've talked about text editors, which is a simple notepad and stuff. we talked about source editors. And we showed that, you know, there are differences between the two. Um we then need to talk about IDEs. Now, IDEs are the big daddy. IDEs, they're called Integrated Development Networks or Interactive Development Environments. And they are a software application that provides like comprehensive, so a, big, a lot of facilities for computer programming for software development. And they are aimed at software developers, only for software developers. You're not going to be writing yet a, well, a blog post in it. You're not going to be writing you know, your next book in it. You're going to be using it for coding. Um, they usually consist of a source code editor, which is what you're going to get, you know, from like the functionality with uh, Vim, Emacs, Sublime, or Notepad++. Uh, they will also provide stuff like build automation tools, such as Ant, in the case of like uh, Eclipse and, and um, NetBeans. And build automation tools um, are tools that allow you to quickly build stuff. So, say like we have like a, a build process. So, whenever I want to push something out, I want to compress my assets. I want to Compress my images. I want you know my code to be all clean. I want to do syntax highlighting checks. Uh, do syntax you know checks on it. Style check checks on it. And I maybe want to run it for a, a you know a bunch of unit tests before it actually goes out. You can do that. Uh, you'll have a debugger in there normally, um, uh, and it'll be a very good debugger in that it will allow you to just maybe step through the program and stuff. Uh, and that's that happens in Java where you can actually step through individual line by line and debug it. Uh, you do get that with X debugging PHP at the moment at a very low at a very simple level. But actually, just recently, just yesterday, uh, version 5.6 of PHP will have its own GC uh, D uh, implementation, which is like a debugger for the well for the it was for the GNU project. But they've made their own one, and that allows you to actually use breakpoints and do some really really cool stuff in PHP. So, if you're 5.6, that'll be very good. And, Tools like PHP Storm, uh, NetBeans—they can all use this, um, and so you'll be able to debug programs like you do a Java
0: program. Cool. I'm just thinking, guys, because uh, we we just hit the hour mark, and I I don't personally think we should split this into two episodes. I think it'd be a good idea to wrap up, but unless you guys think otherwise, but I think it'd be a good idea as well, just to kind of think, well, we're trying to aim the uh, you know people are just starting out, so. I think it might be a good idea if you all agree. Um, perhaps we should just all go around really and just give our recommendations to anyone who's starting out You know, as to what editor to pick and what reasons and um, perhaps the benefits and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's good. Cool. Does that sound yeah. good? So, uh, Lou, do you uh, want to kick off with any recommendations of what you think people should use and... Um,
1: I, I can I can certainly see the benefits of of using an IDE, but I don't think it's something that you need to launch into immediately because, um, you know, in the short term, it's probably best to use like a raw sort of code editor like Sublime Text or Notepad plus plus or something like that, just so you are literally writing code, and you and you haven't got all the distractions of all the prompts and things that come up and errors and all that stuff. So, um, in terms of those, yeah, I mean, I've been using Sublime Text two now for for about a year and a half and. And I will definitely be continuing to do so because it does everything that I want and it looks nice and it's and it's nice and
2: straightforward to use and easy to navigate. So Sublime Text 2 for me.
0: Nice.
2: Fraser? Yeah, I'm going to follow Lewis and say Sublime as well. Um, I, I use a Mac and a PC. I use a PC at work and use a Mac at, at home when I do my freelance stuff. And it's just nice to be able to use the same editor um, on on the PC as it is on the Mac Um my second choice would have been coder, but that's that's solely for Mac. Um, and because I have to use a PC, it's just like I said. It's nice to have something that you can use on both. Um, I spent a bit of time with NetBeans, which is an idea as, as Ed was just discussing. Um, it was pretty fantastic, but I, I was running it on the machine that I had before my current one, which was it was running like a bit of a dog anyway. So that's partly the reason I think. But again, with my issues with Dreamweaver, it was just a six or seven hundred meg program, which is completely unnecessary for editing files. Um, it was a little bit slower because of all the stuff going on in the background when it's like checking all your files and, and basically scanning all your code so it can suggest all your functions in your classes and what have you. Um, so I might give it another go a little bit further down the line, but uh, yeah, at the moment, absolutely 100% Sublime.
0: Nice. Uh, we all know what Edman's going to say, but go on, say it. Oh, I'm going to say Sublime too. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear,
3: yeah. I mean, Sublime with a couple of plugins. Uh, you've got the Package Control plugin, which is the thing that actually gives you more plugins. Uh, stuff like dot, I'll put these in the show notes, but like dot blocker, which is uh, for commenting uh, using dot, uh, Java doc style comments. Prefixer, which is great for CSS3 syntax changes. Do you know, like you say, you have got like your Moz border radius and your border radius, it will just input, add them automatically for you if you just oh, type right. in border radius, which is very cool. Oh, Emit, yeah. is very uh, Emit, which used to be called Zen coding, which is like a small DSL, which allows you to quickly build up HTML structures. Very cool. That's what Jeffrey Way shows it on. Yeah, I've got that one. Very cool. And then JSLint and PHP Lint, which are who we explained it. In the, you know, like just to check syntax checks, static syntax checks on your actual code, just to see if it's right. Nice.
2: With well, that right. syntax checking, like, how does it work? Does does it do with every
3: keystroke? Ah, so, right. So, uh, right so, yeah, ugh, it's tough because you can, you can do it on save. That's what I normally do. Right. So that's yep, really and, annoying. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like I know it's wrong now. I'm trying um, to write to, to write yeah. the thing. Like, yeah, you, so you can like, do it on save and then pitch, but we pitch it in, all it does is run through it with the PHP dash shell, I think, just, it has it a lint file and it will just run through it just then highlight what, what bit's wrong.
0: Okay, cool. How about you, Mickey? What were you going to choose? Oh, uh, I'm going to say Sublime. Uh, we've got a four, <laughs> sublime we love this podcast. For to? <laughs> but I would say just a couple of things to be aware of. I mean, if you do start working for a company and they're using Dreamweaver just be aware that things suddenly uh, like the version of Dreamweaver we've got I get like error hints because i'm using php 5.3 stuff
3: do, do they not update it then like no. don't they give you any updated
0: syntax because surely no. that wouldn't be too much. i looked then. on the adobe website <laughs> see if you could get it <laughs> <laughs> but there's a uh, it's just nothing so that's crazy that's my first you know just you know thing to be aware of and um and i was gonna say yeah sublime i mean ed you showed me sublime and a couple of things i say about it really a and this is getting kind of like you know, do as I say, and not as I do, but if you, if you're starting out, you really want to be looking at creating nice, clean code, and uh, I think with sublime, it's easy to do that because you've just got your screen and then it's the text and and the other thing it's I was nice say is,
1: raw. That's that's the good thing about it yeah,
0: it is really raw, yeah, until so, you know, like say if you want to start adding plugins, you can do, but I never do, I just have sublime but um, but the other thing I would say is, you know, it sounds cliche, but as a web developer, you know, your hands and your eyes are your your tools, and if they get damaged, then you, you can't do your job as well. So one of the things that um, Ed Mann first said to me was, why are you staring at Dreamweaver with, like, font size 10, oh, you know, I sat, like, you. Yeah, a meter away from the screen? See the thing. And I hadn't even thought about it until he mentioned it to me, but it is a really good point that you know look after your eyes and for me looking at a black screen with white text okay I know you can change it but it's a lot better than at a stereo white screen with black text and um, and yeah just get your font size bigger font and
3: size and a font actually a font as well pick yeah. a nice font that you like
0: yeah yeah and just make sure you're comfortable when you're working because you're going to be doing this like 7-8 hours a day if you're lucky, you know you might be. Yeah, your life
3: like, will be in in a, in a text editor, pretty much.
0: Yeah, so you know, look after your eyes and look after your uh, your hands and wrists because RSI is not fun, um, and I'm sure everyone's experienced a little bit of it at some point. So uh, yeah, my, yeah, sublime text for me, uh, hands down. But yeah, like I say. Um, I'm quite interested in uh, netbeans at the moment but I'm not cleared up enough to uh, to discuss it but I uh, I guess we'll we'll have a chat after we finish the podcast to see whether we think it's a good idea to perhaps do an, another podcast on IDEs specifically because there's a lot of stuff we haven't discussed so uh, we'll we'll have a chat about that afterwards but um for now I think we should probably wrap it up but our usual kind of things to finish off with is we all do have email addresses now right we do indeed. Yeah. Which obviously I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, so
3: we have each of our sure names. On. So we have Ed, we have Fraser, we have Lewis, and we have Michael, and they're all at three devsandhe We also have if you have any interest that you know want to talk to or have any problems, we have contact at three devsandamaby.com. And we also have our Twitter handle, which is three devsandamaby.com with the letter with the numeral three. And all our other all our uh, Twitter handles are available on the website
0: at three devs and the exactly and we'll put all this in the show notes but we really 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 would like some feedback um, yeah absolutely yeah whether it's on iTunes or just even a
3: text you know like yeah. uh, just uh, you know, iTunes or uh, Twitter or email just anything
0: yeah and any questions that anyone has even if it's like an anonymous question you don't re- want not repeat on a podcast just fire them at us and we'll, well, one of us will try and answer it so uh, yeah and please spread the word to uh, any, any friends or uh, anyone you know who are looking to get into web development Shameless plug over. I think that sounded pretty good. Yeah. So <laughs> well,
1: yeah, everyone that's actually you know made the effort to download and listen, we, we yeah that really sure is. To if we help
3: one person at one time just to get into web development, you know that's really what we're trying to do. It's just you know we love it and we think a lot of other people enjoy it. You know that's that's why we do it.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd be more than happy if anyone wanted to contact me through Twitter or whatever to, to ask anything and you know feel free. You know, we're, all, we're all here. We're all online. You know, we're just. Uh, making websites the same as you guys are so uh, get in touch
0: exactly alright guys thanks for listening um, we'll hopefully be back on next week cheers see you later bye 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 hey.